Welcome to Chase Oaks. Happy Mother's Day weekend. We are so glad that you're here. Thank you for all the moms that are that are here this weekend and, and watching online. We're just so so glad that you're uh, a part of. We're part of your your weekend. Uh, hopefully, your kids brought you, or maybe uh, you got your husband to, to to bring you out and made the kids come. However, you got here, we are glad that you are in the building or, or joining us online. We are continuing a series called "Tell Me What You Want, What You Really." really want. It comes from this idea that in the gospel of Mark, Jesus sees a man named uh, Bartimaeus who's blind and he asks him, he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? Which is an uncanny question for a God to ask a human. It's just like, I get one wish. This is amazing. And we just thought, hey, if Jesus was, was standing in front of us right now and he were to present this question to us, how is it that we would truly respond what is it that we would say that we really really want and so there's been some participation from you guys and some of the things that you really really want and if you've missed any of the previous messages i encourage you to check those out one of the things that that's really come out of what a lot of us really really want is to be happy just to be happy people say man i really want to i really want to be happy you know, this this idea of well how to get it is well that that could be that could be challenging because some people will tell you, well, the way to be happy is to do whatever you want. But <laughs> that can be very problematic because, hey, do whatever makes you happy. Whenever you do whatever makes you happy, sometimes the thing that makes you happy is something that makes somebody else miserable. So that's not a, it's not a great plan. Sometimes the, the idea is I'm going to do me, you do you, boo-boo. But that plan doesn't, doesn't, really, doesn't really work. You can subscribe to that, that way of that way of living, some, the other problem with doing whatever you want, doing whatever makes you happy is, well, that could also get you arrested. And then trust me, you won't be happy. Uh, the, the, the other problem with the, uh, well, to just do whatever makes you happy is, well, we think we are phenomenal judges of what makes us happy in the present. But what hindsight teaches us is that we're horrible judges of what made us happy. Do you remember the things you used to want? Have you ever thought about that? I remember uh, I grew up um, in a lower income neighborhood, drove across town to a private school uh, most of my adolescence. And, and so sleepovers were, were different at my house than across town. Like at my house, you had to bring your own sleeping bag. You had to bring your own snacks. There was not food provided. But whenever I went to a sleepover on the east side of town, it was just like, a smorgasbord of food was laid out for you. Vegetables, pizza, wings. They had already rented the movies. You didn't have to go to Blockbuster. Like this was, it was like, I am living the life on the east side of town. And I remember um, the first time uh, somebody at my school said, hey, Ryan, my mom wants to invite you over on Saturday for a play date. I didn't know what a play date was. In the hood, you just went outside and started playing. You didn't have to plan it. You just, you just went outside. So I was like, a play date? They're like, yeah, we're going to pick you up. At 10 a.m. And I was like, oh, my gosh. They said, and you get to, you get a choice between horseback riding or boat riding. I said, we are living the life. We is not getting on a horse. Though. I'll tell you that right now. We're not going to do that. I choose boating. OK. And I remember I remember standing um, at my window. OK. In the hood, just because I couldn't wait for them to pick me up. And I thought they are going to whisk me away. OK. Like I, I'm never coming back because I wanted to ride in their car. I knew what the Petersons drove, okay? The Petersons had a car of all cars, and I just thought, if I could just make enough money in my lifetime to be able to afford their vehicle, I will be, th this is what I really, 
really want. I, I remember arguing with my mother at the Toyota parking lot because she wouldn't buy this vehicle. She wanted a Camry instead. And I was like, you don't know. And I was just, I was just losing. Let me show you the picture of, of what the Petersons drove that I wanted so bad. It was this Chrysler town and country. Like that's, that's what I really, really wanted. And I just thought if I could just Get in the Chrysler town and country with the wood paneling. Life will be good. Now, I remember there was this lady at our church. She had a conversion van. If you don't know what a conversion van is, okay, conversion vans are basically mini hotels on wheels, okay? These were vans that have blinds, VCRs, like like a let-out couch in the back, okay? And they were very, very expensive. There was only one lady at our church that had them, and I just thought, Dad, when are we ever going to make it? When are we ever going to get to to have a conversion van, okay? I want to go on the road with this thing. And it's like, Ryan, what in the world is wrong with you? But but in the moment, it was like, this is what I really, really wanted. So ultimately what ends up happening is sometimes the thing that we want now is flawed by what we used to want. You think about the stuff that you used to want? If you don't know what you used to want, if you got Facebook, I want you to click on your profile pic and then just click left. And you'll see what you loved and wanted five to ten years ago and you'd burn it right now. So on some level, there are all of these things that we wanted. When you get a new car, it's got the new car smell. It's great. But 60 to 72 payments later, you're like, man, I'm... I can't believe I wanted this thing. Are the air conditioning is kind of crank? And, you know, and you're trying to trying to figure some things out. Have you ever been on Zillow? And you're just looking at houses, and, and there are some houses that look great on the outside, but then by that third photo, you just go, "What were they thinking? What they were thinking is in the moment it was something that they really wanted. That right now you wouldn't buy you if they gave it to you for free. You're like, "No, nah, I'm good." And so. Ultimately, the problem that we have with what we want now is I don't know that we're that great of judges based off of the things that we want. I just don't think that we should be in charge of what we think makes us happy. It's not just what we want. Let's just be really honest for a second. Who we want it. Some of us were going, man, this was the one that got away in middle school. And right now you're grateful to God that they got away. Why? Because you were in the moment, you were heartbroken in the moment. It was all you wanted. And now you're just grateful to God. He didn't answer that prayer. There's some prayers you ought to be grateful to God that he's not answering right now. And so she said, amen. Just think about that for a minute. So, so, so sometimes I think, man, we're going, man, I, I really, I, I really want happiness. But I think what we, what we really, really want is something bigger than that. Something, dare I say, deeper than that. Because life, its meaning has so much more than just, well, just our happiness and the things we think will bring us happiness. I think the most perspective that most of us get is any time we're at a memorial service, when it's all over, we go, I wonder what really matters. In going through a pandemic where a lot of us experience a lot of loss, and we know people that experience a lot of loss. What we got in those moments was well, just a little bit of perspective of what really 
matters. Um, I, I had a friend uh, the other day. He said, man, you know, based off of my dad's age and me only seeing him um, about twice a year, I'm only going to see him about 20 more times. He, he just started doing the math. And so they're actually thinking about moving their life all because they're just going, well, in light of what matters, we want to make some adjustments. The end of life makes us go, man, I, I might just do things a little bit different. I'll never forget at, at my dad's memorial service. My dad passed away about six years ago. I asked a friend to come and just share some words. And, and he got there and, and he shared this verse. And it really moved me. He said, Proverbs 20, verse 7, he says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. He then began to talk about the importance of, of walking in integrity because of what it does for the children. And he said, hey, I want you to look at Emmanuel Leake's sons, Ryan, Aaron, and Corey. This tells us what kind of man he was based off of just how his boys live their life. And, and he says, and then he encouraged us with this. He said, hey, I, I encourage you to live your life by the funeral rules. The funeral rules are simple. Number one, you have to answer this question. Who do you want to be on the first two rows at your memorial service? Who do you want to be on the first two rows? Like, they, 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 they get VIP seating. You know what I mean? They, they, they get to leave before everybody else. They get to walk. You know, they've got, they've got a special song. Like, who are those, who are those two people? Who are, who, are those, who, are, who are going to be on those two rows? Who are those people? Those, those are the VIP. And, and then he says this. Whoever those people are, make sure whoever those people are, get the best of you. Whoever those people are, whoever those people that you want on the first two rows, make sure that they get the best you. And here's why. It's because of rule number two, which is, well, what do you want them to say? Because here's the deal. Who's ever on those first two rows, they're going to get a microphone. And when they do, you want to make sure that they don't have to tell a lie. You want to make sure that they don't have to get on a stage and go, well, you know, uh, Gary uh, was, a, was a good guy. He, uh, you know, a couple times that, you know, he uh, he just we barbecued together once. And uh, man, uh, he, he, he brought some seasoning. He was great. Great guy. You, you, you want to because you, you, you have to realize this one day. Those family members. Those co-workers, whoever those people are, you just want to make sure that they have that they have a true story to tell about you. Uh, there was a family member of mine who also had a memorial service. I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but he was one of the meanest people I've ever known. His memorial service was incredibly short. Can't speak for you, I can speak for me. I want my memorial service to be five days long. I want it to be a conference. I want it to be a tour. I want people going city to city. Hey, you going on Tuesday? You going on Wednesday? I want people booking flight. I want it to be so long because I, that's the story. And I want people to tell. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think what we really, really want isn't to be happy. Because at the end of our life, what we really, really want is a legacy. At the end of our life, what we want is to have made an impact on other people. One that is lasting, that actually goes beyond our life. 
So today I want want to give you three things. Three things that I think can help you have a story that's worth telling. Three things that I believe that that can give you a story somebody else would tell about you. Three things that I believe are going to help you have the legacy that you really, really want. The first thing that I think is important for us to get the legacy that we really, really want is crazy faith. Crazy, irrational faith. I love Mark 2. We see a picture of this. It says, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. That's what we call crazy. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, if, if someone tried to bust through the roof of your house, you would call the police. But it's a little bit crazy. But guess what? We're still talking about these guys. Thousands of years later, because they were a little crazy, not just mentally crazy, but with their faith, they just went, this makes no sense at all. But you know what? Let's go for it. If I'm going to be crazy in something, I want to be crazy with my faith. Oh, I, I had this friend who uh, who was uh, in the hospital. He had gotten in an accident. He's black. His friend is uh, his friend was white and uh, his friend shows up to the hospital. And uh, they said, hey, hey, hey I'm, I'm here to see my friend. The nurse says, we're sorry, sir. It's family only. He says, I am family. To which the nurse is going, he's black, you're white. Y'all cousins. It's like, he's like, yeah, we're cousins. Like, it's like he lied. But he gets in there and my friend goes, how'd you get in here? He goes, I'm your cousin. Shh. <laughs> and you want to know what he said? He goes, I'm glad you're my cousin today because I got nobody else here. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go lie. But I am encouraging to be that kind of person that says, you know what? What I know about you, what I know about me is that we go through things in life where we could lose our faith. Things happen in life where our faith could be rattled. You want to be the kind of person that says, hey, when you're when you're down, I I got you, man. We're going to keep believing for the best. We're going to keep trusting that God is who he who he says he is. And we're going to. We're going to keep praying for you. We're going to keep praying for your kid. We're going to keep praying for your marriage. We're going to keep praying that you find a job. We're going to... You do that long enough. You don't look back and go, I've been kind of crazy for a while. And you know what? Aren't those the people we appreciate the most? You know what I think of when I think of crazy faith? My mom. I think of my mother. My mother's a praying woman. And I did, my mother recently just had a... Uh, a knee replacement, and she's in she's in recovery right now. So uh, when I I go visit her, she she lives uh, just down the way in, in Plano. Uh, when I go visit her, she she always has her friends over, and it's amazing watching the impact that her faith has had on them. And we'll, we'll, ladies and gentlemen, we'll, we'll just we'll be talking mid conversation. All of a sudden, they'll just turn up the volume on a YouTube worship video, and they'll just start praying and speaking to them. They'll just start going for it. I'll be like, hey, mom, I'm still here. Y'all, y'all, oh, oh, I'll wait. Go ahead. Yep, go ahead. You got You got This is like, no, we got to pray for this person. We got, and I just think of 
the amount of people that she has joined her faith with over the course of her 73-year-old life. And I just think, man, when, I, when I'm that age, I hope somebody would say that about me. That man, like, was going through something, and Ryan stopped, and, and he prayed for me. Like, he, he had faith for impossible things. So sometimes people share some crazy dreams with you, and you just kind of go, you're delusional. But maybe we should be the type of person that says, I'm going to pray that God works through you. Because God can do anything. You want to know who in Scripture was absolutely crazy? Noah. He starts building a boat in a desert where it had never rained. So every friend that walks by goes, hey, Noah, what you doing, bro? It's going to rain, guys, a lot, a lot. Trust me. Okay, buddy. Here, here, here's what I've discovered. I, I think we all got a Noah in our life. I think we all got, 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 got that one gal, that one guy that's just like, just a little like, are you just too optimistic? And, 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 and here's the deal. This is just hindsight. Hindsight would teach us. If we see a Noah in the desert, the smart thing to do is to say, you need some help? Because I might need a ride just in case you're right. I mean, you just think about it. If there was just one person that just says, God told you what? The whole earth. You got space. I know you get two animals to eat. You got any space for me? Hey, let, let me grab. What do I got to lose? I mean, let's just say it doesn't rain. At least this is insurance. I mean, but for some of us, there's somebody in our life that's trying to pull off something that, dare we would say, is impossible. Imagine if we came alongside and said, I know it's impossible, but isn't that what faith is for? Who needs faith for the possible? It's not why we have it. (laughs) No. In fact, I don't think faith is faith without it being crazy. So, yeah, I think you and I, if we really want to make an impact in the people's lives that we live with, at our jobs, at our schools, I think we should be people that have crazy faith. The second thing that I think will help us have a legacy is unconditional love. Unconditional love. I know that there is a mantra that a lot of us live by. It's it's love God, love people. But if we're honest, we're cool with God, but then we love specific people. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, my kids count as people, right? That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I did it. The the, the, the people I go to church, yeah, I count. Yeah, I loved them on the way in. It was great. We're good. But... It's not just love God, love people, it's love God, love your neighbor, to which all of us have to begin to ask the question, who in the world is our neighbor? I love what it says in Matthew 5, verse 43. It says, you've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, Jesus is going, I understand that you have been taught a certain way of living. That it is uh, your job to love your neighbor. And it is actually, uh, some rabbis actually taught that it was your duty to hate your enemy. He says, hey, I, I know... I know this, is a, this has been the teaching. However, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? Gentiles were simply people um, that were considered non-Jews. In other words, people that didn't have a relationship with God. He's going, hey, even, even people that don't have a relationship with me, they can love the people that, that love them. I hope someone's okay up there. Um, is, he goes, that, that's, that's not hard. But you need my kind of love to love your... Did he say enemy? Like, love... Your enemies, let's just be honest about, about most of our love. It's not unconditional. It's conditions. It's I love you as long. Here's the fine print. As long as we're cheering for the Mavericks this weekend, okay? That is, and we're all, as long as we're on the same, that's the condition. As long as we're voting the same, okay? As, as long as we see a pandemic, as long as we're on the same page, okay, as long as we follow the same people, as long as we like the same stuff, as long as we dress the same, like, we've got conditions. Some of us, our love has conditions based off of our love language. All right, there's all, there's five love languages, okay, yours might be quality time, might be gifts of service, maybe words of affirmation, uh, mine is gifts, and so there's, there's times where I'm tempted to love people who buy me stuff. It's just like, yeah, 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 I love them. Like, there is... There's a quid pro quo with this thing, isn't it? That our love has conditions, but if you want to make an impact, if you want to have a legacy, try doing what Jesus said, do. It's loving people who most of the people in your circle would go, why in the world are you talking to them after what they've done? After what they said about you. After they tried to get you fired. After they talked about is, But at some point, I was, watching, I was watching this interview with, of all people, Mike Tyson. He was talking to a young man. And uh, Mike Tyson says, so if he says something about you, you're, you're done with him? Like, forever? He goes, yeah, he's dead to me. Mike Tyson said, well, then he won. He got you. You see how you used to be a person that like wasn't a dead to me type of person, but he got to you so much that now you're going to carry this bitterness. So he won. You're going to let him win. I just thought, isn't that true? That whenever we have our perceived enemies, there's this kind of winning and losing thing that kind of happens with us. But at the end of the day, if we're walking around with bitterness towards anybody else, guess what? They won. And so, here's the deal. There's going to be mean people in this world, but they don't get to dictate how I live my life. At some level, I've already made a decision about who I want to be, and what you say and what you do isn't going to steer that from me trying to live my life like Jesus. I love the story of Nelson Mandela. He was persecuted, tortured, in prison for over two decades. And he comes out of prison, 1991, before he became the South African president in 1994. They say, hey, all right, are you going to lead the revolt? He's like, no. Well, what are you going to do? We're going to love. And we're going to forgive. And he, and he, and he, says, this, he says this so beautifully. He goes, it's the only path forward. What are we just, we're just going to do this for generations? He's like, how's that going to change anything? And it's, these are people that were actually trying to 
kill his people. These were actual enemies. And, and I just, I got to be honest. I'm really nervous about Judgment Day. Are you? And let me just tell you why I'm nervous about Judgment Day. Here's why I'm really nervous about being held accountable for all my actions. Here's why I'm really nervous about being held accountable for the Scripture. It's because we're going to get to this portion. It's like, hey, uh, love your enemies. To which I hope the Apostle Paul is not in the room. Because he had actual enemies. Jesus had actual enemies. People that were trying to kill them. To which we'd go, our enemies... Oh, you mean the Democrats? You mean the Republicans? You mean them? It's like, you really, that, that's, that's, that was your enemies? We got real enemies over here, like, that are actually, like, like, on some level, sometimes I just go, I don't know if my enemies are all that much of an enemy, just because they disagree with me. I don't know if I'm really willing to stretch them all the way to an enemy. Nevertheless, they fit the description of somebody I should be praying for and loving anyways. And so I, I think if we really want to have a, a legacy, I think we should live a little bit more like Nelson Mandela. And say, hey, even the people that are trying to talk about us, even the people that are trying to harm us, even the, even the people that don't see the world the way that we do, the way that we're going to make an impact is by sticking to what we're called to do, which is to have unconditional love. The last thing that I think will help you have the legacy that you really, really want is radical generosity. Radical generosity. Um, here's a very unpopular verse. I'm not supposed to read this out loud because, you know, it could be taken out of context and, you know, heaven forbid if we actually did this verse. But it's in the New Testament. It's not Old Testament. Jesus said it. it's in red. Uh, it's Luke 630. You're going to be mad once I read it just to prepare yourselves. OK, Luke 630 says give. It's the first word. All right. Some of us are already nervous. OK, uh, to everyone. Now we're really mad. Who asks you? And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. There has to be a typo, right? There's no way. Jesus, you don't know my family members. They'd be asking for loans. Trust me. Like, you, you, you clearly, you didn't mean give, and you didn't mean everyone. Clearly, there, there has to be some Greek, some Hebrew, something that's going to get us out of this one. But what if there's not? What if, just imagine, again, just imagine if we just took this so literal. Just, just imagine. Imagine if, because right now the brand of Christianity is not Luke 6.30. Like, there's not people that aren't Christians that are here today going, yeah, when I think of Christians, I, I just think about that group of people. They get together, and anytime somebody asks them or has a need, like they just, they just respond, no matter what, no questions asked, like, that's not our reputation. But imagine if it was. I mean, imagine if in your neighborhood it's like, yeah, the people that live at 1500 Main Street. Oh, those people. Hey, if you got a need, they're 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 the ones. They're they're the ones that are just radical generosity. If they got it, they, they'll give you the shirt off their back. We, we talk about people like that, right? How many shirt off the back people do you have in your life? Two, maybe three. Now, my question for you is this. Are you one of somebody else's two or three that would give the shirt off your back? When my brother talks about my father, he says, I remember one time we were driving down the road and both of us had the sniffles 
and there was only one tissue. He said, Dad gave me the tissue and sniffled the whole way home. He said, if Dad had $10, I had $10. It was just a mindset. And, I, and ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I'd love to say, hey, guys, look, look, 6.30, it's, you know, when this doctor was translating it, he misheard God's words, you know. It, the, the only reason I know it, it's in there on purpose isn't because of what it says, but because of what it says before it and after it. I don't know if you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount, but ladies and gentlemen, the Sermon on the Mount, if you went and tried to live it out, you would have the greatest impact the world has ever seen. I'm going to give you a list. I'm going to give you a really, really short list of what's just in, just in the Sermon on the Mount. Nothing else in Scripture. Even if you didn't do the Ten Commandments, if you just did just a couple of things listed in the Sermon on the Mount, you change the world. I'm just give you a list. Love your enemies. We just talked about it. Most of us don't do that well. Uh, do good to those who hate you. Most of us are like, we don't even spend time with people that hate, hate you. Uh, bless those who curse you. Somebody cusses you out. You don't give them a sandwich. That usually doesn't happen. Uh, pray for those who mistreat you. You barely pray for people you like, let alone people you don't. Um, turn the other cheek. Nope. Most of us are like, I'm saved, but I'll still cut you. Um, <laughs> go the extra mile. Someone steals your laptop. Let them have it. This is one I know for a fact. I don't know. I have never met a Christian who's done this, ever. Lend to your enemies without expecting them to pay you back. That's the Sermon on the Mount. You, uh, whoever, think about the person you've got the most tension with in the world. There's nothing in you that says, hey man, you need to hold something the next Friday. Man, I got, I got a couple hundred. Like, nobody does that. So, in light of the list of the Sermon on the Mount, give to everyone who asks of you. It's kind of low on the list if you ask me. You know, want to know what that means to me? It means we live our lives with our head on a swivel. That's it. We're looking for needs. Sometimes people need our time. And, and, and it doesn't say give to them whatever they ask for. No, it just means if somebody has a need, what we simply do is we pause long enough to go, I'm not looking for a get out of a verse free card. I'm actually trying to figure out a way to make it happen. So I, I think when we do this, I think if you decide to be the type of person that keeps your head on a swivel, that you're constantly looking for, for needs to meet in whatever means that you have to do it. Number one, I think God will resource you to pull it off. And number two, I think you'll, you'll have an impact and a legacy that's long term. So uh, in our house, we, we, are, we are teaching our son um, how to give. So we bought this uh, Dave Ramsey uh, kit it's like a little kid kid and it's got three three uh, bags that they can kind of put their allowance in and so the, the first bag it says give um, the second bag says save and then the third bag says spend and so uh, we actually teach jackson that generosity means 20 percent now he doesn't know what tithing means so uh he's just like okay so i i, I set aside Two dollars of my ten if I get ten dollar allowance and he actually does his chores. If he if he completes the, the mission, he gets his ten dollars and then he, okay, and then he's he's learning to to split it up. And he's like, So what do I do with this give back? I said, Well well our, we, we give to church. And then we, we give a little bit extra to, to to just to just meet meet needs. And so um, I told a story a, a few sermons ago about us getting to this journey of, of keeping 
Starbucks and Subway gift cards in our glove compartment for people that are around town that are asking for help. We'd say, hey, do you know, we got no cash, but man, hey, here, here's, here's something to get something to eat. And, and we did this the other day with our son in the car. And, and my dad said, hey, dad, is that your friend? No, he, he, he's not my friend. He goes, well, why is he outside? It's cold. I said, buddy, he, he doesn't have a home. He's hungry. So that's why we keep this here so we can help other people. I, I, said, I said, hey, if you see somebody that doesn't have enough, I said, Jackson, just so you know, we're in the category of more than enough. So we have enough to, to feed you and us and to have gift cards in our car to give other people. That's what you do when you have more than enough. That, 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 that's how you live. And I thought I was doing like a good thing. I'm thinking, good job, Ryan. This is what my son says. He goes, well, maybe I can grow up and make enough money to get him a hotel. I'm like, we fed him. My goodness. What we, we, you want to, what you want to do, Jackson? What are we going to do? Want to take him in? He's just like, well, is he your friend? Like, we got to, we got to help. He goes, I, I got to grow up and I got to make money so I can help people. I'm like, yeah, I hope that's your mentality. And I hope you're the billionaire, man. I hope I hope you're the guy that figures it out. And we're on our way to church today. And we're running late. And we get in the car. He goes, oh, and he runs. Us. I said, Jackson, we're running late, buddy. We need to go. And he runs in and he grabs his gift bag and he says, we got to give to church. You know what he found out this weekend is that when kids give, it goes to a compassion child that doesn't have enough around the world. And I just think I can't think of what else matters in life than what he's learning right now. Now. When he's 18, he's going to learn that tithing is only 10%. And he's been giving double the requirement for the last 10 years. And then he's going to be like, you've been having me give double? I could have, I could have, been, I could have put this somewhere else. But, that, but here's, the, here's the fun part. That's 11 years from now. And 11 years from now, he will have a habit. And he will have already made an impact in too many people's lives to turn around. It's too late. Why go back now? It's like, well, hey, buddy, look around you. Look at it's. This is what happened. He's going to have too many stories. He's going to have to put too many people in hotels. And it's just, it's, hey, buddy, where are you at, buddy? You need to come home. He's like, hey, I saw a guy on the side of the road. He needed a place to stay. I, and because I, I've, I've set aside, I've, I've made it a part of my life. We, you said we got to help. Yeah. That's, that's what we do. I know Luke 6.30 is nuts. But I can only imagine if a few thousand people at a church in Plano decided to say, well, all the other Christians don't have to, but what if we did? What if we just changed our town? What if we just changed... Our suburb. What if we could rebrand Christianity where we live? Where it was just like, hey, those are those crazy people, man. They, they go above and beyond. <laughs> I think if you and I make a decision to be the kind of people that 
have crazy faith, unconditional love, and radical generosity, I think we can get what we really, really want at the end of our life, which is a legacy. I think about so many moms who've, who've done that their whole life, bent over backwards to have us in the room where we are right now. And that's how I think that you and I can have what we really, really want. God, I thank you so much for the amazing opportunity to look at your word this weekend. God, I pray that you would help us to get what we really, really want, which is to have a legacy. Help us to give radically, to love unconditionally. Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of people that have crazy faith. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen.